Hey, y'all. Thanks for listening. This is the second episode of a two-part series with Martian Montenegro as we discuss New Thought, New Age, and the Enneagram within the Christian church and whether or not Christians should use it or be exposed to it. If you haven't listened to part one, go back and listen to that. But welcome to episode two. Enjoy. You're listening to The Blurred Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Manley. This is a place where each week we will talk about everything from worship, world religions, culture, trends, and more, but we'll look at and discuss these things from a biblical lens. In a world where so many issues are blurry, the goal here is to make things clear. Let's dig in. Yeah, there's a there's a reason that, that Jesus tells us to test the scriptures. Exactly. And, uh, you know, I'm convinced that, and, and you know, I've talked about this before, just in earlier today, but the, I think one of the biggest problems that we're seeing in the church now is just the lack of discernment. And mm-hmm. people will take somebody else's word for it, somebody that the respected sort of leaders like that, they'll take their word for it. And instead of doing any actual work and investigating it and testing it and seeing, is this true? Is this accurate? Is it biblical? What happens is their their word just sort of becomes their bond and we take it for granted or we take it at their, at, you know, with a grain of salt and we go, okay, this has got to be true because this person said it and right. we don't go to scripture to consult. Let's pay. Okay, let's, they said this, the Bible says this, let's compare them. And if it goes in any way against scripture, then it's wrong and scripture can't be. Right. Exactly. And um, in fact, my co-author Don Vino has a phrase for that. Um, and I, I think I'm going to remember it correctly. It's something over orthodoxy. It's something like, it's not friendship over orthodoxy, but that's the idea of it. It's kind of like, well, you know, he's my friend and uh-huh. he's a sol- solid believer. So I'll trust what he says about, right. this book. you know, or I'll trust what he says about this teacher and they don't really check it out. And um, I think that's how a lot of this bad stuff spreads. And so in the Enneagram, that book, um, when I saw that book coming out, I thought, okay, I, I, I wasn't totally alarmed. I thought, surely people will see through this. <laughs> I was really, yeah, I guess for I sure. Was, like, okay, this is obvious. I was naive. I thought, surely people, first of all, they're going to wonder about the title. Right. They're going to like think, well, you know, why do I need this, this diagram to see, see anything about who I am? I mean, we have God's word. Right. Sufficient. We don't need to know all this extra stuff. And besides the Enneagram's new age. And, you know, I thought, okay, it's just, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to think that it's the worst, you know. But then the next year, the sacred Enneagram comes out from Zondervan mm-hmm. by another disciple of Richard Rohr. Chris Horitz was yes. also mentored by Richard Rohr. And he learned the Enneagram from Richard Rohr and three new agers. So, uh, you know, and I'm thinking, okay, if you're a Christian, you definitely do not want to learn anything having to do with spiritual stuff or anything about yourself and who you are from New Agers. No. Because their view of who you are is not compatible with with the Bible. And even their view of God is, I mean, it's not. Well, yeah. Mystic sort of being, energy force, not a personal God. it's, It's completely contrary. Right. Um, so I'm thinking he has three new age teachers and Richard Rohr, then this has got to be bad news. 
And yet his book was incredibly popular. Um, you know, it sold like over 100,000 copies by I think October of 2018. And it was just, you know, I mean, it was just a big seller for Zondervan. They came out with a workbook that went along with it. Um, so now you have these two books uh, that are racing through the begin. They're beginning to hold. They're beginning to make a way in the church. You know, it didn't catch on right away. It took a little while. I think by 2018, it was really beginning to catch on, and I, that's when I really started noticing it getting more popular. And in 2019, it just seemed to be um, going like like you know like a wildfire through the church it was just so it was I kept, I kept using different words for it the enneagram is like a virus the enneagram is like a plague the enneagram is like a fire I don't know yeah. I'm trying to come up with new with new ways to describe how how it was just spreading through the church uh fever I think I had a post called enneagram fever uh and I was trying to warn about it in all my posts and it was, it was very difficult because uh, at that point, some people hadn't heard of it and they were like, well, I don't know what this is. Other people had just had heard of good things about it or they had already used it. And they're like, you know, what's wrong with it? And so I'm trying to tell them on Facebook, here are all these problems. And I had my one article from 2011. And then I ended up writing, you know, several more articles starting, I guess in 2018, maybe. Um, I wrote an article on the Christian authors of the Enneagram books, you know, why, what you should know about them and why. Um, and that's on my website. And because I wanted people to understand that Suzanne Stabile, Ian Cron, and Chris Horitz were not coming from a Christian point of view. Mm -mm. They were coming from a Richard Rohr point of view. Right. And, um, and I haven't even said now why that's a problem. So I guess I should say that because people are hearing me talk about him, but they're kind of like, okay, you keep saying his name. Well, what's right. But what did he do? What's he say? What's he believe? Yeah. Richard, here's some of Richard Roy's basic beliefs. He believes the incarnation, the first incarnation of Christ was creation. Okay. So creation, the earth is, and the universe is Christ's body. And Christ is in the earth. Christ is in creation. He's not just in the earth. He's in the universe. Uh, so there you go right there with, uh, I mean, I, I would hope most Christians hearing that would be shocked. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's, that's pretty bad right there. He believes that um, man has divine DNA and that sin is not an issue. So sin is not an issue because our true self has never been separated from God. And we've never been separated from Christ because Christ is in creation. So we're always connected to Christ. We just don't know it. We, we, that's our problem is that we don't know it. Right. So that's what he says the problem is. So Jesus did not die on the cross for sins. There's no atonement necessary there's no need. He acknowledges Jesus died on the cross, but not for sins. And it, it wasn't because we need uh, our sins to be atoned for. And it wasn't because we need salvation. So there you go again. I mean, right away, you've knocked down several essentials of the Christian faith right there. Yeah. And um, he believes that uh, there's a distinction between Jesus and the universal Christ. So Jesus is the, uh, you know, 
lived 2000 years ago and and he acknowledges Jesus in the gospels and and all of that he acknowledges there was a Jesus <laughs> but Jesus was was had the universal Christ in him and when he resurrected then the universal Christ went out into creation hmm. uh, was kind of released from creation it's kind of like the universal Christ couldn't act in creation um, but after it was in jesus then it could go out it could be released and what the universal christ is doing is pulling all of creation towards a point of perfection so this is he makes a distinction between jesus and the universal christ and he says matthew mark and luke were writing about jesus and john and paul were writing about the universal christ and he also has an illustration um that he had on a, on his website about the universal Christ for a while, and it may still be there, where he has um, Jesus is holding a kite, and the kite is flying real high up, so everybody kite, and the kite is the universal Christ, and huh. he's holding a string to the kite, and so you may not see Jesus because he's on the ground level holding the kite. But you can see the kite, which is the universal Christ, and that's all you need to see. You don't need to see Jesus. Oh my goodness! Yeah. I mean, only it gets worse. You know, right? Yeah. Every time I looked at Roy's teachings, it only got worse. It never got. It never got better. It was only worse. Um, so he's a. So there's some of his views right there that you can see are completely opposed to the historic christian faith and oh yeah they're they're not only opposed to the historic christian faith but they go in direct opposition to biblical scripture yeah yeah direct opposition and so <clears throat> he is also a panentheist he believes that idea of you know the fact that christ is in creation mm -hmm. that's panentheism which is that god is in creation and creation is in god but god also transcends creation um but this idea of panentheism is a is an idea that's very dear to richard Rohr. he talks a lot about it he's uh, very fervent about it if you go to his blog he does not hide his views it's very easy to find what he believes which is another reason i'm alarmed that he's getting more influential in the church because all right. you have to do is google for five minutes and you can find some of these views he has um, and it seems like nobody is investigating or else maybe they're okay with the ideas, which is even worse. Um, so Richard Rohr has, has panentheism is a big view. The other view is perennialism and per, or the perennial philosophy or perennial wisdom, which is the view that all religions, although they are different outwardly at their core, they're the same. It's they have the same source, the same God, um, the same truth. And that is that they all go to that same root. And so although they look different, it doesn't matter what religion you're in because they all share the same truth. And the perennial view is, um, and it's of course a lot more than that. This is sort of a sim simplistic, uh, you know, definition of it. And I don't completely, I don't understand it completely. I've just started reading about it, um, you know, several months ago. I mean, I was reading about it already online, but I, I got a book, um, a couple of books and was reading more about it to understand it better. Uh, so the perennial view, and there's another aspect of it that's important to know. 
and that is that they believe this that understanding this truth seeing that there is this core truth at the heart of all religions that you can't really understand that you can't just have somebody tell you that you have to realize it and the way that you come to the realization of that truth is a process and you have to do it through a mystical process mm. so um richard Rohr. Uh, that's one reason he focuses so much on contemplative practices. And he says that doing contemplation is unlearning. And he wants, he thinks that we need to unlearn because we've been taught wrong. And the things we believe about God and Jesus and the Bible are all wrong. And we have to unlearn them. And we, if you do a lot of contemplative practices, which are not biblical, you know, I'm not talking about biblical contemplation here. I'm talking about these sort of mystical techniques where you usually you sit still, you may breathe slowly, um, you close your eyes, and then depending on the technique you're using, you kind of go into the state of uh, where you suspend critical thinking. And if you do that all the time over time, it does, you do unlearn and your, your worldview sh and so, and Richard Rohr knows this, and that's why he urges. Right. Him. And so, the way to get to this truth, to see this truth of the perennial truth that they believe, is through is through a practice like that, or some other mystical method. Mysticism is the bridge that that causes everyone to see this truth. So that is that is an important thing to know because Richard Rohr. That's why he pushes contemplation. So a lot, right. a lot of the, um, now this contemplative stuff has already been in the church before the Enneagram came. It started way back. It started back in, you know, the early 2000s, I guess. It started with people like Richard Foster and Dallas Willard, unfortunately, who um, were kind of in league with a man named Thomas Keating. Uh, Thomas Keating, who's one of the three co-founders of the modern centering prayer movement um, is, a, is a Trappist or was a Trappist monk. Um, and he and two other Trappist monks started this movement in the 70s. And it really took it really took off, um, I think, later, more like in the 90s. And then after that, um, until, um, well, two of them are now dead. Um, Pennington, Basil Pennington died in 2009. Thomas Keating died two years ago. Um, William Menninger, the third, the third man is still alive. Uh, he's very elderly, but he's still alive. You can find YouTube videos of him talking about contemplation and stuff like that. I don't think he ever wrote a book, but both Basil Pennington and Thomas Keating wrote books. And I read, I read, I read books by each of those men. And I, I'm talking about, I started looking into them in the 1990s. And this is before they had really influenced, they hadn't influenced the evangelical church yet. Um, but that came through the progressives and through people like Richard Rohr, because Richard Rohr and Thomas Keating were very close allies. And um, Thomas Keating, I also believe, was a perennialist. I don't think he ever said he was, but from a lot of things I've read by him and what he said and what I've heard him say, I feel pretty sure he's a, he was a perennialist. And, and Richard Foster and Dallas Willard they did some things with Thomas Keating and they actually had a link from their Renovari site to Thomas Keating's contemplative outreach website. 
and recommended him. Um, now, since Thomas Keating has died, I don't know, I don't think his website is probably active anymore. Uh, and so you can't find a link from Renovari. And of course, Dallas Willard has died, but Richard Foster right. is still alive. And Richard Foster still has a Renovari site. Um, so I don't think a lot of people know that they were in league with Thomas Keating. Um, and, and by in league, I mean, I mean, they associated with him. I think they agreed with his ideas and what they, what they taught, part of what they taught was in this DVD that came out in 2005, I think, the Be Still DVD. And that they basically took the teachings of the contemplative movement and presented them in an evangelical format. They had Beth Moore on there. They had Priscilla Shire on there. They had a professor from a Baptist seminary named Calvin Miller on there and some other people. Um, and uh, I DVD and I wrote an article on it and it's on my website. I was very alarmed by it, by some of the things said on this DVD. And one of the things that I found very bizarre was um, Calvin Miller, who was a professor at a you know, Southern Baptist seminary, I believe, on the DVD says one of his favorite saints is Francis de Salt. And, you know, I didn't know who that was. And I looked him right. up and he was a, um, he was a priest back in the, um, I don't know, the days of, of the Reformation who was assigned to stop the Reformation by the Catholic church. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, what? What? <laughs> This Baptist guy says his favorite saint is the saint who was fighting against the Reformation. Right, a Baptist guy who wanted to go back into Catholicism. <laughs> it's like, I'm like, this is so bizarre. Everything about this whole thing is so bizarre. The Enneagram is bizarre. The contemplative stuff is bizarre. It's just, it's just bizarre. It's like you couldn't make this up if you wanted to. Absolutely, it's strange. <laughs> And so um, I was, I was alarmed by that. And I began and I was seeing this take off. I was seeing people starting to do these mystical things, um, you know, that came that was come really go back to medieval monasticism. Um, and now it's get it's so common in churches now and so common in the evangelical community, that you have spiritual directors in, in evangelicals who are directors. Now, spiritual director is somebody that that was a title used by the monks, like in the 12th century. I mean, you know, this is like, yeah, has nothing to do with a biblical title or a biblical role, but you have these spiritual directors and you have these people teaching contemplative stuff, like Ruth Haley Barton is one of the big ones who was at one time at, um, Oh my gosh, I don't know what's wrong with my memory today. I didn't have enough pretzels. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I was eating pretzels before the interview. That's why I said that, <laughs> just in case people don't know. Um, uh, Willow Creek, Willow Creek. That's yeah, it. Chicago, yeah. She had been at Willow Creek and she went to this place called Shalem Institute, which is here in the Washington, D.C. area, which is a very faith organization. In fact, I think they're probably perennialists. And she has made a name for herself. She, she calls herself a pastor to the pastors. And she goes around and speaks in churches. She's very popular. She has retreats, everything. She has a big website. And Ruth Haley Barton is totally into this mystical contemplative stuff. Mm -hmm. And I found out just this summer 
somebody pointed this out to me on her website. <clears throat> she says that she learned the Enneagram from Russ Hudson. Russ Hudson is a new ager and the co-founder of the Enneagram Institute, which is, which is a new, by the way, Christians should know the Enneagram Institute is not some kind of authority on the Enneagram. It's a new age organization <laughs> to promote the Enneagram. Wow. It has absolutely no authority or scholastic or academic credibility at all. You know, just, it's just a, it's just a cheesy new age organization. I'm, you know, I can say that because I was in the new age. So, you know, I'm not trying to be unkind. Right. I just, I'm tired of seeing Christians refer to the Enneagram Institute and quote from them. I kept seeing that over and over again. And I, I just got so upset. And I said, do you understand? It's a new age organization. You can't believe, you can't believe them. They're new age. It's like, they, they believe what they say. Right. To them as an authority. Wow. Um, so anyway, so that was one of my big pet peeves there um and so she learned the enneagram from russ hudson and i thought wow so what i was seeing and what i started writing about was the convergence of the enneagram richard war and contemplative practices mm -hmm. and this big they're all kind of meld together and i feel like a lot of the the people who are really into this contemplative up and are teaching it some people even have a ministry that's their ministry oh yeah and no i've seen that several places like this is my enneagram ministry and i use this as part of yeah. my ministry and yeah, I, yeah, yeah. It's, it's crazy or they have a contemplative ministry mm -hmm. and they they um they don't may not use the word contemplative but that's what it is they're using those ideas and those techniques and it's very mystical um i mean there's two people i can name if you if you want me to name them I yeah will. go for it okay um, Bill Gaultier has a ministry shepherding. It's very, very contemplative. And the other one is named A.J. Sherrill, um, who has just recently become an Anglican pastor, I believe, in South Carolina. He was in a non-denominational church, I think, in California. Um, and he, uh, A.J. Sherrill, in fact, he just wrote a book. His book just came out. Uh, the Enneagram for Spiritual Formation. So, um, or was it the Enneagram of Discernment? I think it's Enneagram for Spiritual Formation. Another guy wrote the Enneagram of Discernment this year. The, so now we've gone from, you know, I started talking about uh, the first book in 2016, and then the second book came in 2017, the Sacred Enneagram. Now we have apparently 29 titles from so-called evangelical publishers nine Enneagram books um, and you know and, and just one of them Beth McCord put out nine books because she wrote a book on each type and she's a slightly different story I, I don't think there's any Richard War influence on her direct influence but she can she and her husband promote the Enneagram and a lot of people think doing the Enneagram from her is okay because they promote the gospel-centered Enneagram which is the same as if I said well, I was an astrologer when I was in the new age, but now I'm a Christian. So I'm going to teach you the gospel centered zodiac. Wow. You know, it'd be the same thing. If right. I yeah. And, and you can't, you can't have a gospel centered Enneagram. There's no, there's no, the gospel, the Enneagram and the gospel are incompatible. 
Um, but that's what they teach. And I heard them do a podcast where they're trying to defend the Enneagram. And I did a Facebook post on it because I refute everything they say. What's interesting to me is that they mention these people like Oscar Ichazo and Claudio Naranjo, and they don't say what they really were. They put, they, they describe them in these very generic, um, innocuous sounding right. terms. You know, like they said something about Claudio Naranjo went and taught uh, at the University of California. He taught psychology or something like that. They don't say anything about the automatic writing or that he was a new ager, that he took drugs to have spiritual trips. Sure, why would they mention that? <laughs> he had spirit guides, you know, and they make him sound like this kind of, you know, regular guy. Um, and so, same for Ichazo. So, um, you know, what I don't know. I'm, I have to think, do they really know who these men were and they're just hiding it? Or do they really believe this? You know, I don't know right. where they got their information. So, um, I mean, there's deception there, whether it's intentional or not. Sure there is, yeah. So, uh, and also, here's another interesting fact about Beth McCourt. She had six New Age teachers. Wow. Because um, I noticed she kept saying she had been, you know, doing the Enneagram for 15 years. And I thought, okay, this was a few years ago that she said this. And I thought, okay, if she's been doing it for 15 years, that means she had to learn it from New Agers. Yeah. She either had to learn it from Richard Rohr or from New Agers because those were the only people teaching it 15 years ago. Right. And so I, I on her website, sure enough, she, she lists her Enneagram teachers and they were all New Agers. Wow. And so I did a post on that, Beth McCord and her New Age Enneagram teachers. And a few months later, somebody contacted me on Facebook and said, uh, Marsha, did you know that the names of those New Age teachers are no longer on Beth McCord's website? She's removed them, yeah. And yeah, I said, no, I didn't. Thank you for telling me. And I went and looked and, she, and yeah, they're gone. Now I had taken screenshots of them, so I have screenshots of them. Um, but they were they were they were taken away by somebody, you know. Um, wow. So <laughs> I guess I guess her, or at least she had someone take them away. So you know now, so right away we see there's decep there's deception going on. Sure, there is. Um, you know, and and sure, if you're a Christian and you're teaching the gospel centered enneagram, I guess you wouldn't want people to know you had six New Age teachers. Of course not. Well, and yeah. you know, you talk about this deception, and, and again. Whether it was intentional, which I clearly I think it was, yeah. um, or whether it was unintentional, you got to look in the scripture. Who is the the one who is the father of deceit, the father of deception, the father of lies? Right. Uh, Satan and Satan. Like I've said this before to the people at our church, you know, Satan doesn't have a large playbook, but the playbook that he uses is really effective. Yeah. And the playbook that he the play that he uses the most is that of deception. If he can deceive people into making them think that something is true or right or good that isn't, then that's exactly what he's going to do. And if we don't know the Bible, if we don't know scripture, we're going to believe those things. Right. Right. And, and um, it's just, it's, and it's become, it's become like a, it's kind of like, it's a, it's a lie within a lie within a lie. You know, I, I, I like to refer to those little um, Russian nest dolls, you know, where you open up the doll and, and there's another one inside and you open that one up and there's another one, you know, and that's what the Enneagram is like. It's mm -hmm. like a lie wrapped in a lie wrapped. And that's why it takes so long to explain to people 
you can't just say in one sentence why it's, you know, you can say it's not valid or it's from the new age, but you know, then people are like, well, what do you mean? Or how do you know that? And you have to go through really, you have to peel off all the layers to show them. Right. It really is. And that's why it's not easy to explain this because lies are always complicated. They're always, they're tangled. They're, you know, they're, they're enmeshed together with other lies or with half truths, often half truths are then there. And you can't just like wave, you know, wave your hand and say there, now you can see the Enneagram is, is false. You have right. to go through these, all of the stuff that I've been talking about, which, which, you know, involved talking about the origins of, with Gurdjieff, where it wasn't right. used for uh, any kind of personal analysis to how it got to be used, how it got that way through Ichazo and then Naranjo then how it was in the Catholic Church, and then how it was in the New Age, and then how it was with the progressives from Richard Rohr, and then how it got into the evangelical church with, with Rohr's students, and then how it kind of took hold. And, you know, you have to, it just goes on and on and on. It's because, you know, that's, that's how falsehood works. It, it, kind sure. of, it just keeps stringing you along with one lie after another. Well, and one of the things that I hear often times, because, you know, I've, I've mentioned to people before that, you know, the Enneagram has got obviously some very um, unsavory roots, and uh, especially in regards to the Christian faith. And, and one of the, the pushbacks that I get sometimes is it's just a personality test. You know, there's, that's all it is. There's nothing wrong with that. And so what we're talking about today is exposing that it's way more than just that. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, and actually, Richard Rohr, and I think even Suzanne Stabile and Ian Cron would say it's not a personality test. Right. They say that's not what it is. And Chris Hurt says it's nine paths to God. Man. That's what he says. Which is just, you know, another example of universalism. Yeah, and it's nine paths to God. So you find your path, which path is you, and you uncover the false self to find the true self. And that's really Richard, that's really Richard Rohr's view. And this true self is a self that's never been separated from God. So this whole thing about it being a personality thing, people have, have taken it and kind of, you know, used it in that way to make it seem, I guess that, you know, more harm, more harmless or trying to make it work that way, but it's not even valid as a personality test because it doesn't pass the criteria. And um, as a Christian psychologist, and actually there's two people we know of now who are experts in, in the field of, of, of psychology and personality testing. And um, Jay Medenwalt, who's one of them, and he's quoted in our, in our book. Um, yeah, Jay's a good friend of mine. Oh, is he really? Yeah. Oh, great, great, yeah. yeah. He, um, he has a, a two-part article on, on the internet, uh, and the first part, he explains in very technical terms how the Enneagram fails the criteria to be any kind of tool for personality analysis, yes. and it just doesn't fit the criteria, and part two of his article explains why people think that it fits, Yes. and he gives like 11 psychological factors that of why why we believe it and he says at the beginning which i found this interesting because i had already said this before i i knew about him 
I, you know, I said, well, it works like astrology and it reminds me of astrology. And he says the reason it works is the same reason that astrology works. Yes. It seems to work the way, you know, people believe that they fit their zodiac sign or people have their birth chart done by an astrologer, which is what I used to do. And the astrologer says things to them and they're like, yeah, that's so true. You know, your moon is in Taurus and that's why you like this or that's why you do that. And your, your son is in the seventh house and that's why you always have to have a, a relationship going, blah, blah, blah. And the person sitting there, oh yeah, that's so true of me. Well, you know, does that mean astrology is valid? No, as Christians, we know astrology is not valid. Right. You know, sometimes the things that are said are right by coincidence. Um, sometimes they're right because the person listening to them um, interprets them as, as, as applying to them because they want it to fit them or they have that view of themselves. Uh, they want to believe the astrologer. Uh, there's all kinds of factors that cause you to want to believe something that's actually false. And so you can, you can do this Enneagram thing and you can believe that that's really you. And you can even think that it's helped you like, yeah, but you know, I did it and I, and I, and my husband did it and now we understand each other better and maybe we communicate each other better with each other better. Well, one thing that I think Jay pointed out is that um, the Enneagram can get you talking uh, with your, you know, husband or wife or child or, or whatever, it can get you talking and the talking can lead to understanding just because you're talking about issues and, and you perceive that as the Enneagram helping you, but actually it's just because you're talking about issues. And so it can right. get talking and that can lead to being helpful or seeming helpful. And I think Jay says that in his, in part two of it, but he said, you know, actually, you know, there's no basis for it really giving you anything of value that's true. And he, and some of the descriptions are very vague. They're kind of convoluted. Uh, the way that the nine types are divided up and, and supposedly relate to each other is not really, um, it doesn't fit with, with the psychological typing from the field of psychology and all kinds of stuff. So it's, it's not valid. And, but yet, and then because people think it is or they think it fits them, then they believe it. Right. That's a big problem. And that's why I always bring astrology up because I say, okay, if we're going to use the basis for believing something is valid is that it works for me, then you're going to have to accept astrology is valid because there's millions right. of people that think astrology works for them. Absolutely. You know, and, and big shout out to you, Jay. So if you, by the way, if y'all are listening and you don't follow Jay, you can go to at psychopologist on Twitter and follow him. Um, and so glad, glad that Jay is, um, writing these kind of articles and, and saying these kinds of same things that you are. It's really, really helpful. So I guess the, the way I want to wrap up is we have kind of one more question and that is for, for the Christian. So the person who's listening to this, maybe they've taken the Enneagram test. They've, they've kind of, you know, bought in a little bit to it or whatever for the Christian is the Enneagram something that we should avoid completely. Yes. Yes. Because um, there's, there's nothing of value in it. And I think because of uh, the damage I've seen from it, mm -hmm. uh, there is damage from it, that it's actually dangerous. Yes. It's dangerous spiritually, it's dangerous psychologically. Uh, it's, it's, since it's not true, that's, that's a danger right there. 
And because it's coming from Richard Rohr, who is heretical, right, and from his disciples uh, who hold his views, as far as I can tell, that's heretical. And, you know, you, you can't get a valid tool about yourself or your spiritual journey or being used for discipleship or team training among pastors or however it's being used. It's not going to be helpful because it is a tool of the enemy. It's a tool that has gotten into the church and it's not from God. It's not a tool God's given us at all. Right. Which brings, you know, cause you have a chapter in your book, which talks about that, where it's, you know, can't God, you know, use anything. Yeah. Right. Yes. And because I, I, I often had that response from people, they would say, well, okay, I know. Okay. All that stuff about what you say about the Enneagram is true, but God can use anything. And, you know, here, my response to that is first of all, if God decides to use something, it's because he decides. It's not because we decide. Right. You know, so God has to sanction it. And when God uses something, what he really uses, if you look in the Bibles, he uses people. Mm. And he uses, uh, yes, he uses unbelievers. You know, he used Cyrus. He used Balaam. He used the Magi. Right. But he used them in a transformative way, you know, because he's God and he can do it. We didn't, you know, we didn't man didn't decide to do that i think i was talking before the program and and we were talking about this and i said you know people didn't go up to balaam and say okay he's a false prophet but we're going to ask him to Israel. <laughs> right <laughs> you know, because god can do use anyone so we'll just ask god to use balaam yeah no, go ahead. it was god's idea to do it god did it and so we can't we aren't the ones to make that decision and and God does not use false tools and he does not use occult tools. God does not, he's not going to redeem the Ouija board. You know, he's not going to redeem tarot cards. Right. You know, he's not going to redeem astrology. These are all evil tools. These are tools that, that are directed against the truth and they're directed against Jesus Christ. And those things are, God's, God says, those are, are for destruction. Those are not, you know, in other words, he forbids them and he condemns them. So it's, there's no way you can use anything God condemns. God condemns practices of the occult. The Enneagram really is very much a, a Gnostic, New Age, occult kind of tool. Right. And... It is not, there's no way you can use it. And I always tell people, you have to look at it as though it's a Ouija board because it's really on the same level. Yeah. And can you, would you decide that you could now start using the Ouija board for prayer in your prayer group? You know, that does that, oh, God can redeem anything. So let's, let's bring in the Ouija board and we'll ask God what we should pray about. And we'll put our hands on the little, you know, the little triangle thing and see what God tells us, what God tells us to pray about. No, you wouldn't do that because it's a, it's an instrument that is connected to evil activities and evil beliefs that God condemns. Same thing with the Enneagram. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Marsha, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, not only for joining us today and being a, a guest who has so much knowledge about this stuff that, that I think so many people just don't have a clue about. And uh, it's, it's an honor to, to be able to talk to you about this. And I think this is going to be helpful for, for all those who are tuning in. But also just thank you for the work that you have been doing for so long and the work that you continue to do. And so um, the name of your book, tell people where they can find your book. Okay, it's um, Richard Rohr and the Enneagram Secret. It is on Amazon. 
but also um, what might be more, more interesting is if you go to the website enneagramsecret.com and that's a website Don Vino set up and um, on that on that website you can read the endorsements we have endorsements from a wide variety of people heads of ministries um, you know pastors uh, seminary professors you know scholars we have we have quite a few endorsements the forward by Dr. H. Wayne House and you can read that you can read about the authors you can read the first chapter free on that on that website and you can order the book from one of the three places there also so um it's you know it's just oh oh i forgot the other thing there's a lot of webcasts and podcasts also there that um don and i have done on the enneagram and he's put not all of them but he's put a lot of them there so if you just want to watch you know a webcast or a pod yeah. podcast on it just to get more more of an idea of, of about it you can do that there too so that's enneagramsecret.com Perfect. Well, Marcia, thank you so much. We are going to pray that you uh, continue to be blessed in the ministry that, that God has given you. And we're going to continue to pray that people would have their eyes open to see, you know, not only false doctrine, but dangerous doctrine that is taking away from uh, the biblical truth of Jesus. And so uh, thank you again for all your time. And um, anything else you want to add before we go? Oh, no, I better not get started. <laughs> <laughs> You have to add another program on here if I think of something else, but I, I think that I, I, you know, I tried to sum up the history of it, why it's not, um, you know, compatible with, with the Bible or with Christianity, um, you know, how you can, you can kind of be seduced by it, but it's still a false tool yes. and that we, you know, we really want to stick to God's word. There is one more thing I do want to add. Yeah, go ahead. One of the things about the Enneagram is it's supposed to help you. One of the teachings of it is, well, it helps you become, let's say if you're, uh, you know, supposedly you're a seven, well, it helps you become a healthy seven. Mm. You know, now you're an unhealthy seven, you can learn to be a healthy seven. Um, and, uh, you know, the problem with this is you're getting caught up with yourself. And actually what the Bible, the Bible tells us already what we're becoming. It says we're becoming conformed to the image of Christ. Right. And so everything in the Bible is, you know, all the teachings for living the Christian life in the new Testament have to do with looking to Christ as our role model and that we're being conformed to his image and God is pruning us and discipling us to conform us to the image of Christ that that is that you know when we have focus on that that's where we're that's where we grow spiritually right. if, we, if we start looking at these fake numbers on the Enneagram <laughs> uh, you're not going to grow you're going to you're in fact you're going to maybe go backwards right yes and so you know I think Warren Risby and some other Bible commentators have said things like if you don't move on and progress in Christian growth there's no such thing as standing still. What happens is you regress. Right. Absolutely. Anyway, so I wanted to add that there. <laughs> I appreciate that. That's a great ad to have, you know, and, you know, just to tack onto that, one of, the, I think one of the biggest problems that we have in the church that has led to this sort of leaking in to new thought, new age, Enneagram, all this kind of stuff is we want to make the Bible and Christianity about us. And it's not about us. It's not about our better self not about our better person or our better essence. It's about the better 
you know, we're only better because of Jesus. Like he is the one who does the saving. He is the one who does the redeeming. He's the one who does the sanctifying. Uh, and it's not about us. It's all about him. Right. Well, thank you again, Marsha. We appreciate your time. And uh, y'all, thank you for listening this week. And uh, we're gonna, this is going to be a two-part episode. So we're excited to have, have two weeks worth of information about this. So thank you again, Marsha. Thank you so much for having me. I, I really enjoyed being on. Thanks again. Yes, ma'am. Thanks again for listening. As always, if you have any questions or comments about our content, want to know more, have suggestions or ideas about our next topic, you can email me at contact at beardedapologetics.com. This has been the Blurred Podcast. Soli Deo Gloria.